Happy Thursday night. I love Thursday nights. You can go out on a Thursday night because you don't really work. I mean, you, kinda, you can kind of show up to work on Friday, am I right? Amen. How many of you have jobs and can relate with this? Fridays are great days. All right, so let's talk about what this series is and what that song was. We are in a new series called Even in Winter, Even in Winter. And the reason we started this series uh, for Christmas is we wanted to talk about the idea that God moves and God acts even in cold times and even in dark times. That gives us, wow, already. I'm like... I'm like, okay, that God moves and he breathes on us even in the cold, dark months of our lives. And I love uh, the line of that song, but it says, God, if you're not done working, then I'm not done waiting. If you're not done working on my life, then I'm not done waiting for you to move. And so I'm excited for what God wants to do tonight. If you are here for the very first time, could you just raise your hand really quickly? Awesome. Wow, there's a lot of you. Um, May I be the first to say welcome home. Uh, We are an imperfect set of people pursuing a perfect God, and that's what our pastors always say. And so you are welcome here. Um, You're going to find out really quick that we are a special group of people, okay? (laughs) And so so, uh, we are in the season of preparing for Christmas, are we not? We are all preparing. Are you preparing for Christmas? How many of you are getting ready? You are getting ready for Christmas. Amen. Amen. And we do this a bunch of different ways, right? Like maybe like right now you are starting to, like you never cooked in your life, maybe. You eat McDonald's 365 days out of the year, but Christmas comes and you're like, and you're like, okay, my inner Paula Dean, like you just come out now, I believe, right? And nobody, you know, you feel like it's an indictment on your character, on your, on your ability as a human. You know, people are like, please bring an appetizer. And you're like, if I don't bring it, bring another choke dip that's like gonna wreck everybody's life like I will be judged and they will know that you eat McDonald's 365 days out of the year right or like maybe for you like right now you're trying to shop for presents amen yes and you do the prayer like you pull up into the mall and you're like God and you like Lord if you love me front row Lord right and like and, like, he's like, well, maybe, you know, if he loves you, you get front row. If you, like, rooted for the Seahawks this weekend, he's like, no. Like, no, right? You're getting ready. And, like, I just want to, like, help you, fellas. So if you are a, a man in here tonight, like, and you've got a girl, and she's like, I love you. And, like, you know, hey, for Christmas, baby. Okay, so, so listen, listen. I just want something from your heart. Like, you can, I mean, baby, just paper mache me a box and put a note in it. Listen, what she means is... You better empty your bank account and spend everything you have on her, right? Or, or girls, I know, right? Like, and you're Pinteresting, and you're like, I have the best idea. I'm going to use palettes, and I'm going to build you an always and forever sign that I'm going to sponge paint. And it's going to be like Judas and Kenneth, and like, we're together forever, right? And he's going to open it, and he's going to be like, baby, you shouldn't have, like, <laughs> this is so amazing. And, and on the inside, he's like, all I wanted was a $20 helicopter with a landing pad that I could, like, remote control everywhere. That's it. That's all I wanted, right? Or, like, you're preparing for your get. You've never vacuumed in your life. Like, have you, I mean, literally. But then all of a sudden, mom and dad are like, we're coming for Christmas. And you're like, <laughs> like, you borrow the Dyson from your neighbor that, like, you know, smokes pot and so but they have a Dyson 
You set up a tree, right? You set up a tree. And so you've got like your Christmas tree that you get maybe from Target that's pre-lit. How many of you have a pre-lit tree? Awesome. Awesome. I just saw a pink tree, like a pink, a pink pre-lit tree. It's like bubble yum tree. I'm not sure. Um, or some of you keep it pure, right? Like you got a Douglas fir in your home. Yes, and you are going to be vacuuming, you know, pine needles, but it doesn't matter for the rest of your life because you have a tree, right? And we are all trying to get ready for this thing called Christmas. Uh, but what I really think the Christmas season and all the hecticness of it and all of like the preparation of it is that there's this internal desire, I think, for every single human being to actually prepare for something, only I don't think we're actually trying to prepare for something. I think we're actually really internally, we know we're supposed to be preparing for someone. We know this. It's inside somewhere. And so we spend all of this time and all of this money getting ready. And what I wanted to talk about tonight is the someone that we're preparing for and the idea that God came close and that he came to be with us. And so if you're titling tonight, I just titled tonight, God came close. God came close. Elbow your neighbor because they're too close. (laughs) They're too close. Let's pray. Let's pray and ask God to be here. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you for every single person that's in this room. And God, I just pray that you would be with us tonight in a tangible way, that we would feel your presence. God, I love you so much. And this room loves you so much, God. May we be a city on a hill as we seek you, as we come to know you in a new way. May your presence be here. We hold nothing back in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Hey, all right, so how many of you know people in your world that are what you would call, like if you have a personal bubble, they are habitual offenders of your personal bubble. Like, they're always like, they're always like close. Do you know, anybody? No, raise a hand. There's like, no? Okay. How about habitual close talkers? Anybody? All right, it's fine. It's fine. My illustration will work anyway. So, So a few years ago, I was working at a church that I won't name names to protect the innocent, but I was working with sets of volunteers, right? And I was working with a particular volunteer who would offend my personal bubble. Like, I mean, this is a real thing, you guys. Like, there is is a bubble around you, and and at some point, like, only, like, your spouse and your mama can get that close, you know what I mean? And um, this guy was always, I mean, we would be, like, we're at the back of church, and, you know, like we're checking out the church and making sure there's enough seats and whatever and there are yards where you can stand anywhere you want and he would be so close and I would turn and I'd be like oh my gosh you're right there you're so close to me right now and he and not only was he like habitually offending my personal bubble but he was always always close talking and when he would do it he would go like this he'd be like and he would get his voice really low and really soft and really serious like he needed to tell me a secret and and he'd be like jess 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 there's only 10 more seats left in the back of the auditorium and i was like all right but like i'm like your breath is like so right here right now right and then and the, or he'd be like, Jess, Jess, I'm about to go sweep out the bathrooms. And I was like, all right, dude, knock yourself out. Just away, away with you, right? <laughs> and, then, and then I kid you not, like on one day I was already ready to like lose it. I was already ready to like snap. And it was just a stressful day, stressful Sunday. And he's like, Jess, 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 I need to 
embarrassed. And I literally, the look on his face, I was like, someone passed away. And I get in real close, and I'm like, yeah, bud, what's up? And he's like, we are low on coffee cups. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I'm going to quit my drop. <laughs> like, just back up right now, right? And so there are, <laughs> oh, he's a sweet man. God bless him. And so there are people in your world, though, right, that, that want to get close to you, and yet it's just not their role, right? Like, or maybe, it's, maybe they just haven't earned that place yet in your heart. Like, they want to be close, but they just, they're not there yet with you. They, they don't deserve maybe that level of proximity with you. And at the same time, there are people in your world that when they are close to you, you are actually better for it. You are actually better off when they're near you, that your heart comes alive when they're close to you, that they're safe and they're respectable and they're just the kind of people that you want to let in close. And in uh, the Bible, there's a verse about, about God coming close. And in the 8th century, they wrote a carol about it and they called it, O Come Emmanuel. Originally, it had five stanzas, and it was written originally as a Latin uh, vesper, okay? And so it was veni, veni, Emmanuel, which meant, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And it was from this verse in Isaiah. This is Isaiah 7. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And this was a prophecy that was written about Jesus 740 years before Jesus even hit the scene. Listen, if you are in here and you have doubts like we all do, study the prophecies of the coming of the Christ and the fact that their fulfillment could have only been through him. But it says, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And what Emmanuel means is God with us. And this is important. This is important because at the time that this verse was written, at the time that Isaiah was written, God, people knew about God. The Israelites were aware of God. The Israelites worshiped God. They knew facts about God, but God was unable to be with them. This is important. And they said, we will call him Emmanuel, God with us. See, the Israelites knew God. They knew facts about God, but they weren't with God. How many of you know that there's a difference between knowing somebody and being with somebody? I mean, if you don't know what I'm talking about, think about your friends that act like they're best friends with celebrities. Okay, <laughs> you know who I'm talking Like, don't. Like, you know. Okay, I'll imitate. Here we go. Um, and they'll be like, and they'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, and they use all of the celebrities on a first name basis, and they'll be like, oh my gosh, Taylor, you know, her new album, I mean, she really just put it all out there, and she really, I mean, I, she just bore her whole heart, you can feel the burns, I mean, that first burn was about Katy Perry, the second burn was about, you know, that guy from Denver, and that fourth burn, I, I'm not even sure, but I'm, I'm, I think it was a boy, and so, you know, and we, and Tay Tay, you know, and we say all of these things, we act like we know these people. Listen, there is a difference between you knowing somebody and you being with somebody. You say, oh, Justin, oh, Justin, he is maturing in his faith. Amen. I cannot wait for his church. I'm going to go to it. And him and Selena, uh, they are a power couple. Amen. Right? And when he wears his hair that way, listen, that means he's stressed out, right? Like, 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 listen, listen, we act like we know these people. And listen, just because you know something about them doesn't mean you know them. 
It doesn't mean you're with them. You're most certainly not with them when they write those songs. You're most certainly not with them as they celebrate Christmas. There is a difference between knowing someone and being with them. And listen, there is a difference, church, between you knowing God, between you knowing about God, between you knowing facts about God, and you being with him. There's a difference. And at the time that the Bible was written, or that this verse was written in Isaiah, see, people knew about God. They knew his works. They knew his wonders. They knew his word, maybe even. But they were not with God. See, at the time that this verse was written, this was actually how worship played out. And it was in something called the tabernacle. Everybody say tabernacle. And I think we have a picture. Um, And this was... uh, forgive the animation, but this was the tabernacle um, or a depiction of the tabernacle when uh, Isaiah 7 was being written. And what the tabernacle was was essentially a tent during the time of Moses. This was where um, they would originally go and worship. And from then on, that was how they worshiped until the coming of Christ. And the tabernacle tent was set up and tore down by a specific set of people. There were rules to how this thing had to be set up and how it had to be torn down. It was only set up and torn down by the Levites and by the Levitical priests. What you're looking at um, for the majority of this, this would have been about a half the size of a football field. That outer part was called the outer courts and it was where faithful Israelites and faithful Jews brought their sacrifices and they would bring it to the thing called the brazen altar and then from there the priests would take it and they would go to the thing called the lavar which is the little kind of basin of water that you see there and they would perform a ritual of of making themselves clean enough to go and see God and then they would bring the sacrifices or the worship from the people of God into the thing, into the tent there, and it was called the holy place. But listen to me, the presence of God was not actually there right with them in the holy place. It was actually even further into a place called the holy of holies. And the holy of holies was just um, another portion in the back of the holy place And in order to get into there, in order to witness God's presence or be in God's presence or be with God, his presence rested on the Ark of the Covenant. And in order to do that, it was one priest. He was the high priest. It was once a year on Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. And he would bring a basin of blood after having done purification rites and putting on special garments and special tassels. And then he would enter the Holy of Holies. One man... One day a year, one time, got to be with God. And the rest of the time, we knew about God. We weren't with God until Jesus came. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 1. And we'll read Matthew 1 here. It says this, Matthew 1, verse 18. Here we go. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which uh, conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, and he will 
save everybody from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken through the prophet. And then he recites Isaiah 7, which had been said 740 years earlier. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Listen, suddenly God went from being very removed and inaccessible to a human being, suddenly God came close. He was touchable. He was huggable. He was diaper changeable. You could eat with God. You could literally walk with God. Suddenly, you went from just knowing about, listen, it was no longer okay to just know about God or to believe that God existed. Suddenly, you had to decide what you were going to do with his arrival. Were you going to let him in close or not? And I think the very first Christmas, their dilemma is the same as you're in my dilemma today. That it's no longer because of Christmas, it's no longer okay for you to just say, well, God exists or I know facts about God. You have to deal with his arrival. Are you going to let him in close or not? See, there's a difference between knowing God and being with him. And I think that you and I are particular about the kind of people that we let in, right? We're particular. And, you know, I mean, there's a difference between your Instagram friends and your real friends. There's a difference between your coworkers and the people you let in really close. There's a difference. There's a difference between acquaintances and the people that know your heart the best. I was talking with a girl a few weeks ago, and she was telling me about a friend, that, and she was like, I'm struggling right now, and I'm trying to get, I'm trying to decide, you know, if I continue to kind of be her friend, and I want to be her friend, and she's the life of the party, and she is so charming, and she is so fun, and she is so full of life, and I was like, well, what's the problem then? And she's like, well, every time I'm with her, she, she like shares like information and secrets about her other friends with me. And I was like, oh, and she's like, so she's that kind of friend to them. She's like, what kind of friend is she to me? And I said, well, my goodness, I think, I think the Holy Spirit's already kind of told you that maybe, maybe just right now your heart can only be in certain proximity with this woman. Maybe right now that's just what it is. See, there are people in your world that only get so close. They only get so much access. And then there are people who you let in as close as close can be. I remember, um, and I'm sorry to, I, I actually hate it when pastors talk about their spouses like all the time, because I'm like, we get it. Like you love them. Amazing. You know, so great. So, but I'm going to tell a story about my husband. So sorry. Um, <laughs> So, but we, uh, we met a few years back and at church and his reputation preceded him, right? Like everybody talked about John. They're like, oh, he's such a man of God and he like loves God and he's got such great character, right? And I was like, who is this guy? You know, and so, and so then we meet and sure enough, like my heart almost instantaneously felt very safe. And as time went on, he only proved to me more and more and more that I could let him in very close and it would be okay. And then fast forward to two and a half years later or three years later and we're married and we're sitting across the table from one another and he had just gone out with some boys the night before and I was like, hey baby, how did it go? Like, tell me about the guys. Like, how are they doing? How are their marriages? How's their life? Are they sad? Are they happy? What's going on? You know, and uh, <laughs> this is what girls do. And I was like, so it's in the, I need details, right? And, and, and he's like, oh, babe, like that's between, that's between us. And I was like, am I not trustworthy? <laughs> like, for real. We're manipulative, too. And so, and so, and so, and he's like, no, babe. He's like, no, like, you're totally trustworthy. I'm just showing them, you know, that I'm trustworthy. And even then, I realized that my heart was safe with him. 
that I could come close to him. And I think when it comes to Jesus, we put Jesus into one of two categories. He either he has been in your life somebody that you let in very, very close, or he is somebody that you always hold at arm's length. And listen, I think you're like, well, you might be sitting in here tonight and you're like, oh, but I'm so close with God. I love God so much. I am so, we are so close. And that might be true. There might be a whole pocket of you that feel that way. Um, but for some of us, us uh, career Christians, we will call, okay, listen, just because you are busy for Jesus does not mean that you are close to Jesus. Sometimes I think we've been in church so long that we confuse activity for God to proximity to God. We confuse activity for him to proximity to him. And listen, I know what it's like because I am you, okay? I know what it's like because I get it. Like I, I, I've been there and I, I've still been there and I'm gonna be doing this probably for the rest of my life, but you volunteer like for five services out of, the, out of, the, out of five, right? You're like, I'm there every single one. Who needs help, you know? And, and you read your Bible and you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta do all 20, otherwise I'm not gonna read a Bible in a year, you know, 20 pages, right? And then you see the one verse and you're like, I gotta tweet it, show everybody that I'm, I love God, right? And then, Right? And if we've learned nothing from Mary and Martha in Luke 10, it's that God actually has a preference when it comes to what we do. God actually cares. He, has, he calls one of these things better, and he looks at Martha, and he's like, Martha, Martha, Martha. He's like, you are so worried about so many things, except for only one thing is necessary. I think he would look at young adults maybe or he'd look at me in Denver and he'd be like, oh my God, you are so stressed out. You are so worried. You don't need another podcast. You don't need another Bible study. You don't need another sermon. You don't need, listen, and we get confused to the point where we, we are like delusional. Maybe I'm just talking about myself, but we are delusional enough where we, if God is far off, we think, well, if we just work harder, then maybe we'll get closer. And he's like, why are you so obsessed? Why are you so worried, young adults? Why are you so worried? There is only one thing that is necessary in your life, and it's to just sit with me. And he said, Mary is chosen, which is better. Listen, in this moment, God's actually giving us an indication. He's giving you a pass to say, I'm going to tell you what's better. You don't need to keep working for me. I need you to sit with me. There is a difference between activity and proximity in our lives. And so are you letting God in tonight? Is he close to you tonight? Is he somebody you want to hang out with tonight? Or are you holding him at arm's length? Because there are people that we let in and there are people that we just don't. The question is not tonight, does God want to be close to you? Because he wants to be close. He would have sat with Mary all day. He would have answered every single question. He would have listened to her very heart. Martha, you're so worried. Only one thing is needed. And so I thought tonight maybe we just talk about two things that we can do. Two things moving forward. What do we do to be close? What do we do to maybe invite God into this space? And I think the first thing is this, is that we make room. We make room. My, uh, Luke 2 says this, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. From the very first Christmas, there was no room for Jesus. <laughs> I almost think it's like prophetic, you know, like to 2017, right? Because in 2017 is the room for Jesus. 
in our Christmas? Is there room for Jesus in our lives? I mean, I look at my calendar and I looked at my life like this last week or maybe, you know, honestly, almost every single year that I've ever lived. And it's like, all right, on Saturday, we're doing Christmas pictures. And on Sunday, we're doing Santa Claus pictures. And on Monday, you know, I'm going to cook treats for my entire neighborhood. And on, on Tuesday, like, I'm going to ride the Polar Express. You know, it's up, up in the mountains, the Silverthorne train, but I want to get the real experience, right? And on Wednesday, right? Like, on Wednesday, it's your Christmas party. And on Saturday, is my Christmas party. And there's just not room. There's just not room. There's no time to be quiet. There's no time to get alone. And so what would it look like if we made room in our lives? What would it look like if we made room not just at Christmas, but in our calendar throughout the year? Like maybe, maybe God doesn't really need Americans to be so hectic and so busy. Maybe he just needs you to sit with him for a little bit longer. Maybe. What if we made room? Number two, invite him in. Revelation says this. This is Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with this person and they with me. Um, from the very first per- Christmas, Jesus moves into your neighborhood. And there's a song uh, by Waterdeep that they wrote years ago, and it's about God moving into your neighborhood. And I love it because it's so, it's so what Jesus did. And then in Revelations, it says that he actually comes to your door. He comes to your door and he knocks and he's like, do, do, do. <laughs> okay. and then he's like, can I come in? And uh, there's a book that I read years ago and it's called My Heart, Christ's Home. And it's an allegory. And it's about um, your heart being actually uh, the habitation place of Christ. And he knocks on the door and then the writer of the story talks about how he's treating him as he would a normal guest, right? Because we're all comfortable with a normal guest coming into our living room. And we're like, well, come in because this is clean. (laughs) Come on in. Cat hair, right? (laughs) But it's quite another thing to invite them upstairs. It's quite another thing to invite them maybe into your kitchen where you eat. It's quite another thing to invite him into maybe the bathroom where you get ready. It's definitely another thing to invite him into your storage or into your attic. We've got all your old stuff and your old things. And yet, according to Revelations, he wants access to it all. He wants access to it all. There's another translation of this same verse, and it says that Jesus wants to come in so that he may sit and dine as friends. He wants access to every portion of your heart. And so what would it look like if you invited him in? See, Christmas takes away our ability anymore to just believe in God takes away our ability to just believe that God exists or to see facts about him. What Christmas is, what the story is, is about Jesus arriving into your world and you having to decide how close you're going to let him. It's no longer about believing in him. It's about his closeness. That's what Christmas is about. And Jesus came close. Jesus came close as he was born the Bible, uh, what I love so much about um, the verse in Isaiah and what I love so much about the birth of Jesus was it was the first time where God was actually able to be with his people, and I actually think he loved it. He probably was so excited, and he did it to be close. And I think that God, um, when he writes in Isaiah 7, he actually wanted to be close even back then. If you read the book of Hosea, if you read the Psalms, it is all about God wanting to be close but being inhibited by our sin in order to be close enough. And so he becomes, uh, he becomes human flesh. 
And for those of you who've been around in church, you probably know this already, but Jesus grows from a baby into a 12-year-old, into a man, and then he begins his ministry, and he starts doing miracles, and, and he preaches the gospel and the good news that God does not have to be far off, and God is not a God of religious order, but that God is a God of relationship, that he came and died so that you could be with him, and that you don't have to be separated from him anymore. And then the Bible talks about what we talk about almost every time, or we try to talk about almost every time here at Young Adults, um, Jesus got up on the cross of Calvary, and he died. And in the moment that he died, listen, when he was born, it was to be close to us. But when he died, it was to be close to us too. Matthew 27 says this, and Jesus cried out again, this is on the cross, with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the world it was made of purple linen and blue linen, twisted. It was really thick. It was like four inches thick. And the Bible says that when Jesus died, it supernaturally split from top to bottom. Why? Because God's presence wasn't there anymore. Because God's presence wasn't hidden in the Holy of Holies anymore. Because God's presence wasn't inaccessible anymore, but anybody could access it at any time. Jesus breathed his last breath, and the veil was torn. And in Hebrews, Jesus talks about his body, and he says, my body is being torn, and this is actually the writer of Hebrews talking about Jesus, but he says his body was torn just as the veil was torn. Listen, when Jesus' body was being torn, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what his mission was. And I think over the years, I've heard scholars talk about how like the cross was about God's glory and how the cross was about his fame and it was about his honor. And it was, it was. But something in me was kind of like, I don't know though. I mean, I don't know. And then I was reading Hebrews this week and it says this, Hebrews 10, therefore brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. Since we have the great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Jesus came to be close, and when he died, it was to be close. And he didn't want a veil anymore between you and between me. And so tonight, the question isn't, what do you want to do? Does God want to be close to you? He definitely wants to be close. If God feels far off to you, if he feels removed to you, listen, you don't need to work harder. His arrival is here. The only question is, are you going to let him in? Are you going to make room? And are you going to invite him? And so if every single person in here could stand. I just have one question. And it's this. When John and I, we were uh, dating, and he, he would say, you know, he would tell me I was beautiful, and he'd tell me that um, he loves me. And um, I would always say, really? And I would say, why? <laughs> and I did it a lot. 
And he got to the point where he was so frustrated. And he's like, do you not believe me? Like, do you not believe that I care? Do you not believe? And then at one point, we got into a big argument about it. And he was like, Jesse, he's like, you can't control. Like, you can't just, like, ward off the parts where I love you and, and control the parts where I don't love you. You can't, you can't, you can't, you have to let me in, Jess. You have to believe my words, Jess. When I say that you're beautiful, you got to receive it. When I say that I love you, you got to receive it. You can't control how much I love you. You just have to let it in. And I wonder tonight if there's a whole bunch of Christians in here who maybe you've been saved for a long time, but you don't know the depth of the love. And you don't know the vastness of the love. And what you know maybe is activity and what you know maybe is effort. But what God wants to bring you tonight is simply himself. He stands at the door and knocks. And he says, are you going to invite me in? And so with every head bowed, I just have one simple question. If you're in here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, let me just tell you, he saved me when I was 17 years old. And my life has never been the same. He is with you. He is for you. Listen, he was born to be with you. He lived a life with his eyes set on you. And on the day that he died, he was thinking about being with you. And if this gospel sounds foreign to you or you've never received Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, the Bible says that those who are unoffended and who are unashamed of Jesus here on earth, that, they, that God will be unoffended and unashamed of you in heaven. And so if you are in here and listen, the Bible says that we have all fallen short of um, the glory of God. We have all sinned, but that through Christ, through his blood and atonement, that we are made right and through his Holy Spirit, that we are made perfectly new. And so if that's something that you would like tonight, and not only, not only forgiveness in the here and now, but heaven forever, if that's something that you'd like, I'd like you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, God died for you and he loves you so much. Two, he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. The only reason he came was to be with you. And three, raise your hand nice and high if you'd like to receive him tonight. Amen. Amen. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit and for your presence. The work here is done. And so, God, now we just re rejoice. God, I pray that every single person in here that received you as their Lord and Savior, God, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, you would just come and be with them tonight, God. That if they confess with their mouth that you are Lord, God, that they are saved. God, I pray that they would tell somebody before they leave tonight. And God, tonight, as we worship you, I pray that we would invite you in. We would let you come close and that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.